Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Alan Moore and you're listening to Gaelic Games Europe's twice-weekly podcast, This Sunday's Game. So we're getting there, slowly but surely and step by step. Clubs around the continent are beginning to enjoy sun and fun while training and in Ireland the countdown is on to the return of county and inter-county competition. Today we've the LGFA Best Local Sports Journalist of 2019, Jeremy McCarthy. He is going to join us to explain just how the GAA is in a battle for the hearts and souls and minds of female athletes, the growth of ladies football and his own path from the bench to the press box. And he's also given us a real, real insight into how journalism can grab and educate a whole new generation. But first, a bit of news. As planned, this past Friday, the GAA released the roadmap for Return to Action. Prepared by their COVID-19 advisory group, the Safe Return to Gaelic Games lays out the way that the community will exit lockdown. The main points are that walkways on GAA pitches will be open on June 8th, which of course is tomorrow. Club gates will be open on the 29th of June. Juvenile and other club championship games can commence from the 31st of July. Inter-county training can commence on four, from the 14th of September. The inter-county calendar will commence from the 17th of October and a full fixture calendar will be published in August. Of course, all these plans are dependent on the Irish government approving them. Shay Bannon, who of course heads up this COVID advisory group, has said that there will also be a COVID supervisor appointed by clubs and duties will include taking temperature levels of team participants. And if the level is over 37.5, the player will have to return home. Of course, that also goes for coaches and parents. Now, of course, there is the official uh, statement that was released by Shay Bannon on this, and he said that the COVID-19 advisory group was tasked with preparing a guidance document and recommendations that would inform the safe presumption of activities within the Gaelic Games family. And he went on to say that while this document provides a guide for a safe return for Gaelic Games, it's important to note that further, more detailed advice and guidance will be needed to, prov- to be provided in the coming weeks. He ended up by saying that the priority at all times must be to protect the health and welfare of all those involved in Gaelic Games and to minimise the risk of transmission within the wider community. Inevitably, criticism has whinged quick and fast. However, the question asked of these unqualified experts is that will they be offering their services as COVID supervisors when their local club reopens? Elsewhere in the GAA, Turlock O'Brien has quit as Carlo Boss. After six years of growth and getting them out of Division 4 for the first time in 33 years, O'Brien felt that no inter-county action until October is just a bit too long of a wait. Of course, Carlo had been in the headlines, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, because of Ray Walker's failed drugs test. Walker, of course, has gotten a four-year ban, which you won't contest, for having the Latvian drug meldonium in his system. The drug, of course, also known as Mildernat, has been banned since January 1st, 2016. It was, of course, the uh, favoured drug for high-intensity workouts and heavyweight sessions. Walker joins uh, uh, almost 200 athletes who have failed since January 2016. The most high-profile, of course, being Maria Sharapova. Staying in Ireland for the third time, Conor McGregor has retired. Having just named himself the number two MMA fighter of all time, he retires from the show having lost four of his 26 matches. 
the NFL finally seem to have seen the light on racism as their commissioner, Roger Goodell, reluctantly apologised for his company's previously sketchy past, including hanging Colin Kaepernick out to dry. It remains to be seen if their doping, violence, concussion and other problems will all be fixed soon too. English rugby union boss Bill Sweeney has said that their sport needs to have a unified calendar. By that he means that the Northern Hemisphere will have to start playing during the summer to match the Southern Hemisphere nations. He cited losses in revenue as they stand looking into a financial abyss, especially with soccer coming back. And finally, this Sunday's game wishes to send our heartfelt condolences to the family of Lester Ryan. Leicester, of course, was a former Kenny hurler as well as a member of the Leicester Council and a coaching officer there too. And I met him myself a couple of times when dealing with the Puck father. He, of course, is the uncle of the 2014 Kenny All-Ireland winning captain, Leicester Ryan, also. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family and loved ones. I am delighted and honoured to welcome on to this episode of this Sunday's Game, not just a very, very good journalist and a great GAA volunteer and a great sports person as well. Uh, he's also an award-winning journalist. He was the LGFA local sports journalist for 2019. He's a freelancer, but everyone wants him. So when you're in, the, in demand, it's great having a, no one single boss. So Jeremy Carty, you're very, very welcome. Alan, it's good to talk to you. Thanks very much for having me on. Appreciate that. This, it, it's great having someone who is in demand and you're also extremely versatile because you're not just a kind of a, someone who's writing for the paper and getting the odd gig here and there. You, you do TV and radio as well. Uh, very little TV, you'd be thankful to know. But yeah, good. I've done a, a fair bit of radio. Unfortunately, um, uh, COVID-19 brought a premature end to my Red FM, which is the radio station here in Cork that I was uh, going to co- or guest host their weekend sports show, as well as front their lady, first ever ladies football podcast. So that had just gotten off the ground, of course, when the pandemic hit. So we've had to uh, put that on hold, unfortunately, for, for the time being. But the, uh, there is a lot, a lot going on, even though there's no matches happening at the moment. There's quite a lot of interviews. And I found two or three months now, God, I don't even know where I am. Two, two or three months have been hectic in that uh, there's, not a demand, obviously, for match reports, but there's a lot of demand for one-to-one interviews with various people behind the scenes. And luckily, ladies football and and GA in general, um, there's there's plenty of uh, topics and individuals to choose from. So it's been busy, uh, but unusual uh, at this time of the year because normally you're running from match. Do you find that now people are more willing to talk? I've asked this uh, to other journalists as well. Um, it's a good question, but I think in general we're lucky in Cork anyway, and I'm not just saying it because I'm a Corkonian, but <laughs> the Corks in your football setup have always been very open to journalists uh, down through the years, not just to me as a freelancer, but they've been very good in terms of looking for interviews and reasonable requests for interviews, I suppose. But ladies football, which has been my concentration for the past two to three years, I mean, I've, I've gotten to know most, if not all, of the Cork Ladies Football Senior Setup, but also their underage setup, which is one of the best, if not the best, in the country. And there's a story to be told by each of the managers. There's a story to be told by each of the younger players. And I've been lucky enough to get to interview some of Cork's under-14 All-Ireland winning teams, some of Cork's under-16 teams. And these are individuals and players that you don't normally hear about because they're so young, obviously. But the excitement and the enthusiasm and the passion and the dedication that they've got for their sport makes a good interview if you can get the right person now obviously 
as you said, people are always happy to talk, but some people are very shy. So you have to dig a little deeper and get get to the story. But I, I've been lucky in that the, the LGFA and certainly the Cork LGFA, and I have to mention the PRO here, Peter O'Leary, who's been very, very active, hugely. So even though there's no matches or anything going on, a lot of the fundraising that's been going on by each of both the men's and women's uh, GA clubs throughout the country, not just in Cork as well, are attracting plenty of headlines and have raised an awful lot of money. So there's a lot of kind of feel-good stories going on, which is great as well. Um, it is different at this time of the year because I think you're right to your, your previous uh, interview remark. Uh, this time of the year, as a freelancer, you don't know where you're going until the Thursday or Friday before a weekend. And even at that, you might be writing for two or three newspapers and you've got to be at two or three different venues. So it's hectic. But it's been very, very different. Now, what happens between here and the end of the year will be interesting to see if we do see any club championship or county championship. But for now, there is a kind of, yeah, it's been helpful that you've that bit more time to work on interviews and let them breathe and, you know, expand on them. But um, you do miss the match, the day-to-day match uh, experience, definitely. For for the LGFA, last year, or this year, sorry, you were awarded in February. You, you, um, you, you got your work for Best Local Journalist. I'm, I'm going to just straight up ask you, how important was that for you to receive that award? Because you've done an awful lot of work. It, it goes by, not unnoticed, by those of us who actually appreciate good, writing, appreciate good writing, we see it. But a lot of people just kind of flip through it. Okay, that's fine. But it takes a certain amount of dedication to actually get, as I said again, to get under the skin for certain topics and directions within sport. What surprised me more than anything about ladies football was how little I knew about it. Um, when I started writing, probably two and a half, three years ago now at this stage, kind of consistently. Where I come from is a rural area in Cork, West Cork in Ireland. And I was, the amount of underage teams, clubs, and the sheer volume of players now playing ladies football is phenomenal. And that's just in Cork alone. You hear about, then you, you talk to people from, uh, from, from Kerry, you talk to people in the same sport from Galway, and obviously Dublin. Like, ladies footballers take it just as seriously as the men. And they take it just as seriously at club level. Underneath the hood, when you start to talk to people, it was the, and I think, I had no idea I was even up for an award. Sorry, I should probably uh, qualify that because uh, I just got a letter and I got an offer for thinking, oh God, I've done something wrong here because it's in the paper and it's the GFA. What have I said? I'm totally taken aback because it, it's not something you apply for or something you enter. It's just something that's bestowed on you. And I was delighted and honoured to get it because of, there's so many brilliant journalists already out there um, you know, uh, who are doing just as good a better work than I am. But I think probably what I got noticed for, as you rightly alluded to there, was the grassroots. Very few people talk about the grassroots and very few people interview grassroots players because why would you want to hear from an under-14 footballer? Well, the interview I did immediately after the All-Ireland final in 2019 when Cork won the under-14 All-Ireland by beating Galway above and offly. I'll never forget it. I interviewed three or four of the players from different clubs and I immediately sent it down to Red FM and they put it on the airwaves under Sports Bulletin and on the big red bench and it got a phenomenal response. And they that's what spurred them to talk to me then and say, look, maybe there's a podcast here, maybe there's more here. And they've been great supporters of ladies football, as have all the, the media in Cork down through the years. But it's the sheer volume of people involved, Alan, on the pitch, off the pitch. It's the sheer dedication. And I've been lucky enough to cover ladies senior football championship matches over the last couple of years involving West Cork, which is a division, and the mighty Morn Abbey and the quality of that, those games. Um, and the attendance is going up and people starting to take notice of it and people starting to treat it with the respect that it deserves and not pander to it. I've never pandered to it. If, it ba- if the game is bad, it's bad. You just get on with it. 
I think that's the big thing about ladies football. It's on a high right now in Cork and it's getting more and more popular. And there's just, there's enough raw material if you want to write about it and to write about it properly. So it was good timing more than anything. I was in the right place at the right time. We've seen, for example, in England, uh, the Women's Soccer League had just cancelled out of hand. You know, I mean, they wouldn't do it to the English Premier League. They fought for it. They, we, we were all arguing, why should it be called off? But they cancelled the English Soccer League. The German Women's Soccer League, the Frauenliga is going ahead. Well, I think if you ask anybody involved in ladies football inside and outside of Cork and Camogie as well, what they want more than anything is respect. They want to be treated on a par with, the, with their male counterparts. That's what everybody says at some stage uh, of an interview. It has never, it has not always been that way and it's still not that way today. And there's like, but sexism is, is a societal problem, not a, a GA problem. So you can't kind of point the finger at them that way on that. The, the coverage and the volume of coverage has increased year on year. Look at the attendances at the All-Ireland Camogie and football finals each year in Crow Park. Now. They're, they're, they're breaking records year after year. Mm-hmm. The volume of kids involved playing at grassroots level is on the increase. The volume of qualified coaches. And one good thing I've always said about the LGFA, they are organized. There are webinars going on right now. They are very, very active on social media to make sure people stay in touch. And they want the more qualified coaches they have both in Camogie and football, the better coaching you'll get, the better players presented, and the better product. And that's the thing. What is the product here and why would somebody watch it? Tina G in Ireland were the first ones to, to, to take on the ladies' football coverage and do it every Saturday and Sunday and give it blanket coverage. And they're being rewarded for that now. They're synonymous and they're, they're associated with it. What's also happening is an increase in sponsorship. And you see the kind of sponsors and the blue chips that are coming on board with these two sports, football and camogie. Now, you're always going to be facing an uphill battle because, you know, male-dominated sports like soccer and GA are just to the fore. They generate a lot of money. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the German league there and the, the Russian league and the Bundesliga and all these and the, and the English league not starting again. Money, 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 money. Yeah. If it ain't making money, we're not going to make the effort to bring you back. And unfortunately, that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. Now, what we would say about GEA this year in 2020 is if there is anything going to happen at club level and inter-county level for ladies and for Camogie, it's going to be condensed. It's going to be quite messy to get it all done and then start off again, possibly in the new year or before the end of the year. But look, I'd rather, be, I'd rather have that headache right now for two sports that are on the rise rather than have nothing and be starting in January. And don't forget, Alan, in the last 12 to 24 months, Irish ladies hockey, Irish women's football, Boxing, Kelly Harrington, yeah. you know, Katie Taylor, rowing, Sunita Purspers. There are heroines all over the country now and other sports and athletics and all those other sports are on the rise. And more and more young girls, impressionable young girls at impressionable young ages are taking notice. So GEA, ladies football and Camogie have to fight their corner. And the only way they do that is to present a product that's marketable and that's of a high enough standard that people will go and watch. And I'm glad to say that it's not perfect and it's still got a way to go, but it's getting there. But more importantly than anything else, what ladies footballers want is they don't want pandering. They don't want, ah, aren't she great? They want respect and they want to be treated on the same level as their male counterparts. We're a long way from that, a long way from that, unfortunately, but we're getting there. The World Games in Waterford mm-hmm. and in Dublin as well. And the ladies games were given, they were all the same time as the men. So in the finals in Crow Park, the ladies' senior final and then the men's senior final. And it created a buzz because you had the counties, like New York lads were supporting New York ladies and vice versa. 
Um, so there was that kind of like that equality in it. And you could see the way that they were being treated as well. Men's hurlers were at the same level as the ladies' camogues. Because, you know, again, the organizers had it that this is just a big sports event. Um, step in terms of deciding that in terms of coaching. Now, the LGFA coaching system is far more uh, catered towards coaching development or coach development than, say, the GAA one, which is a bit more staid, shall we say. You, you have been coaching yourself as well for quite some time. You're thrown into it. How important is it for people to, to go on coaching courses and, and take up seminars? And what's been your experience of coaching as well? From the GA's point of view and my local club and in Cork, they're very, very well organized on the male side of the things. There's a, there's a pathway there now if you want to become a coach and similar in soccer because I coach uh, soccer as well and the FAI and, the, and the, the, the FAI pathway for coaching and player development which was brought in I don't know three or four years ago one of the few good things from that previous regime that they finally got over the line um, w- was working if you're willing to put in the time and the effort and you're willing to pay a certain amount of money uh, the possibility is there if you go all the way up to UEFA B and possibly UEFA A license on the GA side of things as I said the male uh, the male coaching system and the way it's done in various counties is very well done. But in the LGFA, where they excel is that they have developed um, summer developmental programs. And what that means is a certain amount of qualified coaches are trained up to the first level, if you wish to do so, and then to the second level and so on. What you're responsible for during the summer for like eight weeks is you go to different grounds. And I'm just giving you the West Cork example, eight different grounds over an eight week period and girls from all over West Cork. There's no limit on the numbers. Travel and you break them up and you train them. And from that, you develop 30 players onto a development squad from west, east, north and south within that county. You take those squads, you play them off against each other and they form the basis of the under 13 Cork development squad. So what that is, is a pathway for anybody that wants to take football or or camogie seriously, a pathway that you can explain to parents. This is what happens. This is how long it's going to take. This is where we're going to be. And this is the goal at the end of it. The numbers, Alan, in yeah. Cork alone are frightening. There were 600 girls trialed for last year's Cork under-16 team. And there wasn't that many behind in the under-14s as well. And it's growing year on year. It's getting the coaches and the managers that I speak to have to start their trial periods earlier, like August, September, to start the following January because they need to get the teams ready and they need to get, there's so many girls want to get on it and you want to give everybody a fair chance. It is fantastically set up in Cork. It is very well set up throughout the country. So the the foundation is there for future generations. If they want to just do an eight week development program and improve themselves as club players, happy days. But if there are those that want to excel and force themselves to try and get onto an inter-county team, they can do that now. And it's the same at soccer and it's the same and it's far, far better organized. But there aren't enough coaches and there aren't enough female coaches. Yeah. That's the catch. We need more. And a lot of parents will tell you, similar to ourselves, we just don't have the time. But if you're interested enough, you'll find the time and you'll make the time. Now, it does cost a little bit of money, but there's a lot of subsidizing going on as well from the various clubs and the various organizations. So, you know, if you're interested enough, you can do it. What gives me great hope for the future, just to finish the point, is that I've never seen such enthusiasm, both from players, but also from coaches. I've met people from all parts of Cork and outside of Cork that I would never have met through the coaching development that are just as passionate about ladies football as I am, more so in fact. Um, and want to coach and want to, want to improve it at all levels. You can, you can improve the good players and make them better, but it's the players that need the skills development, improving them as well. And that's what I love most about it. The players that may not have the skill set of the inter-county are not forgotten. They get something tangible out of it at the end of it. And that's all anybody wants. 
it's what we discussed with Orla Farm was to, to keep kids in the game, not to have them drop off, not to have them disappear out the back door because we, we want to kind of keep them there with us and keep developing them. Do you think that the, think that that's now translating as they go up, like that girls are staying in the game a wee bit more? It's getting better at under 16. Like you, the, the majority of, I think, certainly young girls, and probably boys as well, you could equate it to, is between the ages of 16 and 18 and 19 when you lose them for various reasons. Sport doesn't yeah. become as important as it always was. There's other things happening in their lives and things are going on in college and God knows what else. It's better than what it was in Cork. I can't give you the statistics outside of Cork, but I can see... And I, from speaking to um, development coaches and managers at under 16 and minor level, they are now retaining the squads that have come up together through the system and through the, the foundations from development program all the way up. It's easier to keep them together and it's easier to maintain the interest because you've got qualified coaches, qualified mentors, and you've got good, solid, you've got, uh, you know, you've got a certain amount of money behind them as well that they can get kit and they, they need sponsorship, obviously, and sponsorship is hugely important. But there's more of that available now than there ever was when it comes to ladies football and you need that if you want to be successful because you need to pay for the kit the bags and everything that goes with it it's, it's not cheap the, the quality of player that they're developing is improving and that's because the quality of coaching they're getting is better as well and that's all back to the LGFA laying down a pathway laying down a foundation a development program and a pathway for a player or a coach if you want to be successful in ladies football and you want to, you want to continue it and you're willing to put in the time and effort and that's the catch, Alan, as you well know. Yeah. It's all good talking about it, but you've got to come home from work, drop the briefcase or the bag and go straight out to the pitch and then you see home at nine o'clock. But there are so many people at the moment that I'm meeting and I've met them through journalism, which is great, not just in Cork, but outside of it, who are passionate about ladies football, passionate about the LGFA and it gives me great hope that it's going to improve as a product and it needs to um, so it become more and more marketable and then we can see um, the seriousness that it's taken with at inter-county level which it is from a player's point of view and from a county board's point of view there is as much interest now in the ladies football final Not a, obviously the, the men's final is still way out there in the hurling final they're getting there and they, but they need to maintain it and they need to keep pushing because as I've mentioned before athletics, rugby, hockey, boxing uh, taekwondo as well all these other sports that you don't necessarily think of you're actually competing whether you like it or not for the talented girls at a certain age 14, 15 to focus on one of those sports kids are smart as you know Yeah, uh, they, want, they want a certain level of commitment from you as well and to know that they're in the safe hands and that they're going to get something out of it and I found that but it's hugely rewarding as a coach like in a development program you could have 60 girls around you there's two coaches dealing with them you've got to come up with something and plan it and get it right and keep them moving and stop them talking Jesus and keep them moving hugely rewarding and I'd advise anybody that's been thinking about it like me I'm just a parent who picked up a bib and went to do a couple of courses I'm nothing special I'm not a very good coach but there's a huge reward from it when you see the girls progressing over a period of time and all different levels everybody getting better and that's the key Again, I, I agree with you on every single thing you said because, you know, there is such a crowded marketplace. Um, you know, I've seen, seen here in Moscow where there's guys who I know grew up playing Gaelic football in Ireland, but they're not going to play Gaelic football away because it's like, ah, the standard's not that great. Uh, you train on a Sunday morning when I want to be lying in bed, sleeping off a hangover, and I can play soccer on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And, I'm, and these people are the people you need into coach as well because they have that knowledge and they actually have a love for Gaelic games but they're just like oh, it's there's other things to do like you know and I, I want to actually ask you about your book because I read it many many years ago uh, I read it in Malta actually of all places and it was given to me by <laughs> he was a short-lived Cork City manager I won't name him but he gave it to me uh, he was reading a Brian Clough autobiography or biography gave your one to me 
and then to recommend it to him. Uh, and I recommended it. So off center circle, you and football, just tell us if you can do it in a minute, <laughs> what, what the books, because it's still there available. And I, I urge people to have a look at it because it's something that sort of is very well. First of all, sorry, I just said that it's very well written. It's very interesting. It's very easy to read. And third, it can be applied to any other sport in the world for any other person, male, female, doesn't make a difference. It's, it's a great read. So tell us a bit about it. Uh, in a minute, uh, quite simply. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a nutshell, um, it's semi-autobiographical. It's autobiographical. Um, basically, I was an unused sub for most of my soccer career, uh, and I got bored on the sideline, and I started writing match reports as the games were happening in front of me. Uh, West Cork, back and beyond, Sunday morning, Hangover Central. <laughs> Over a period of time, luckily, my club, Clonacil DFC, became quite successful. We were promoted uh, two years in a row and won the equivalent of the FA Cup in West Cork, which is called the Beamish Cup, the West Cork Cup, which was a big accolade for us. That story from turning from 18 and being a kid, joining a men's team and what that involved and the drinking and all those things that go with just being a teenager in Ireland growing up in the 90s, 80s and 90s. And it's, it's also just about a love of soccer and how important it was and it is a sport was and is in my life um, it brings in things like Sabutio it brings in things like an appearance on the Late Late Show one of the big shows here, biggest shows here in Ireland uh, making an appearance on that and all the different things what it was was there's not a lot of bad language in it I have to say that I always have to caveat it a small bit because a lot of kids ask me about it, it, it went over my head by the, honestly because <laughs> like um, at the same time I read it I was reading a Russell Carroll Kelly book so it kind of <laughs> Balanced out, you know. <laughs> I'm in exalted company here, Brian Clough and, and uh, Russell Carroll Kelly. But the idea was uh, the pitch was look, this I don't know if this is a book. And they said, no, there's a book in this. They said, no, you're, you're keep at it. We, we can do something with this. What people say, like yourself, to me, they come back to the play the game. They said, I, I, can, I can relate to some of the stories you're talking about here. I remember yeah. when I was on the side of the road talking out, I remember playing at the height of winter and the snow and the rain and hangover, wondering what the hell am I doing. But I also remember how important it was to me. Those days when you were in a cup final, it was your FA Cup final as an amateur Sunday morning player. This was the biggest day in your amateur soccer career. And, you know, not a lot of people cared. There was a big crowd there. We never, ever played in front of big crowds, mostly a handful of people. But that didn't matter because you were doing something you loved. And I tried to explain in the book why, from the age of when I could first remember a kick to I am now. I mean, I finally stopped playing after I don't know how many years retiring, but thankfully for all my teammates and clubmates, I have finally <laughs> retired now. It just spilled out, and I was lucky then that Liverpool visited West Cork not long before the book was due to go. And I, I, the a Liverpool XI visited West Cork to play a team called Dunmanway Town. I was able to cover all that as well. So it all just came together at the right time. It was a labor of love, Alan, but it took me two years. And oh. I mean, I made every mistake you could possibly make writing a book when I was doing it. I wasn't prepared and I wasn't as prepared as if I ever decide to write a second book I'd be far better prepared I'd be a much better writer as well but it was just something I felt I had to do and i delighted it got published and delighted you enjoyed it and that people have read it that have enjoyed it Would you think of writing a book about ladies football? I'd say I'll, I won't say much but I'll say, what I will say is that I have found um, a sport where there is a huge amount of content and backstory and putting it all together would be a big job but a worthwhile one who knows, Alan? Let's just say watch this. Let's just say watch this space. All right, that's that's that's. And uh, finally, um, we, just before we went on, uh, you kind of have been chatting to some people inside. Now, just this will go out on Sunday, so we can say, look, we told you so. The, it looks like the county championships are going to come back before, or sorry, club come before county. Is that correct? 
it, that's what I'm hearing, and it hasn't been confirmed just yet here in Ireland, but there, the acceleration of phase two coming out of COVID from the Taoiseach and the government, the HSE today, um, it's looking likely now that GA pitches will be open sooner than expected. Now, what that means is teams can go back training when it's safe to do so, and in a, whatever, now the format of that training and how that's all organized, we don't know yet. What I'm hearing is that there's potentially um, July could be set aside towards the end of July for club championships. Um, the big question there was which would come first, club or intercounty? A lot of people just assumed correctly that it might be intercounty. And I remember hearing John Horn, as you said, uh, was on your show and talking about that. Um, the big question mark for clubs is will they have access to their intercounty players if they are going to play a club championship, albeit a reduced one? And I think where we're at right now, as we talk, is that every club wants to play some bit of football if they can between now and the end of the year. I think. But what also clubs want to do is to have their intercounty players available to them. And that's the big question that we don't know the answer to yet. Because if you're Ronan McCarthy and Cork, uh, you, if there's a five, six week club championship going on and then you start your intercounty championship, you don't want your players involved if you can avoid it. If you're being selfish, you want them ready for the intercounty championship. And we don't know when that starts, but September is being earmarked or I'm hearing September, but it's not been confirmed. We're at the cusp of everybody anxious to get back out training and playing in GA pitches. We need to know how that's going to work, which we don't know just yet, the format it's going to take. And then we need to know well, what happens with the intercounty. But it looks like club will come first, then intercounty, each of them being reduced, uh, probably in front of empty pitches and stadiums, I would assume, until it's safe to do so. Uh, but the big question, Mark Allen, with all of this is how are we going to fit men's senior? men's senior premier in Cork intermediate ladies senior junior intermediate under minor under 16 under 14 under 12 and all the various championships around the country are are they going to be played at both boys and girls level my hope is that if at, at the very least for each of the age groups that they can find room and space to run off even a you know a knockout championship even if teams got a couple of games out of the year it'll be something my worry is that it's not safe to do so just yet. And a lot of, there might be a lot of more questions and answers. But look, it's positive. It's, um, it's a step forward. Uh, the COVID-19 is not beaten yet. We don't know if a second surge is going to come. And we have to be realistic about that too. Let's hope that if there is a decision for the GA to bring people back training, that it's done in a safe manner. Um, and there's also a big question of cost that we don't have enough yeah. time to get into. How's that, who's <laughs> going to pay for all of this yeah. uh, sanitizing equipment people coming and going it, there's a lot of questions but look I'd rather be talking about those headaches than nothing until January and we'll see we don't even know in January what's happening so it is positive but there's a lot of questions to be answered in the coming weeks but it's looking good that we're going to see some uh, GA uh, male and female club and inter-county action between now and the end of the year and I think on the whole as long as it's safe to do so everybody will be quite happy with that Brilliant. Listen, I, I, I agree with you fully and looking forward to it as well. So, Jeremy McCarthy, thank you so, so much for your time today. Pleasure. Thank you. And by the way, looking forward to the new book. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was Jeremy McCarthy, freelance sports reporter and, of course, award-winning journalist. And, uh, yeah, we wish the best of luck. And I, um, for one, I'm looking forward to that book. As the final whistle blows on this episode of this Sunday's game, we'd like to thank Jeremy McCarthy for his time and we're looking forward to seeing that new book on the shelves. We will be back, of course, on Wednesday. So until then, take care of yourselves and each other. Mm-hmm.